Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to Episode 18 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I want to wish all the men out there a happy Father's Day. Listen, if today is your first time listening to the program, I just want to share with you a little bit about the idea and the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And each week, I want to offer you hope and encouragement through stories of other people who are living out servant leadership in their daily lives. And what their stories show is that when you honor God, blessings naturally follow as a natural byproduct of that serving. And regardless of what your background is or what job you do or your skill set, serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And you've seen this in many of our previous guests. In the military, you've seen from Honorable Patrick Murphy how he lives out servant leadership in his everyday life. And just last week, he was a keynote speaker at a Stars and Stripes event in Philadelphia, honoring many veterans and just the idea of Flag Day and the Army birthday. And you see that in everything that he does and the veterans that he honored. In business, Miss Erica Webster, and I want to give a shout out to her. Uh, she just learned that she's having a child soon. In faith, uh, Mr. Ray Capon and Mr. Scott Carter, who were just on last week. In community, you've heard from Miss Diane Rumbly. And in family, my own daughter, Sarah McCullough, has shown us how you can serve people in your very own home. And the point of all these people is that when you see a need, you feel a need. Because we're all ministers given special gifts, and we need to use those gifts to love and serve other people. Now, just a little bit of back, background about me as it's relevant to today's show. As I mentioned last week, I was raised Catholic, and through my military career and working in the Armed Services Ministry, I've had an opportunity to serve with many chaplains throughout my career. And so today's guests are very special people. I have Mr. Al Lambert, who is a cousin of Father Vincent Capadano. Now, if you recall last week, we were speaking about Father Emil Capon, who is a candidate for canonization or becoming a saint in the Catholic Church. And Father Vincent Capadano is in the same type of situation. So we're going to hear from his cousin, who's going to tell us all about the life and experiences of Father Vincent Capadano. The second guest for today is Chaplain Colonel Retired Gordon Grossclose. So as you heard from his title, he's a retired colonel, he's an army chaplain, and he is a father with an incredible testimony, and I could not think of anyone more fitting for Father's Day to have on as a guest in the show today. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Al Lambert. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You are listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. News Talk, 1400 WOND. 
I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Al Lambert. Mr. Lambert, you on the line, sir? Yes, sir, I'm here. Well, Mr. Lambert, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule and joining me here on the program today on Father's Day. You're totally welcome. Well, listen, I know that you have a lot of interesting things in your background, but I know that you're also uh, the cousin of Father Vincent Cappadeno, and you know, talking to you previously, I think that's where your heart is at, to share a lot about his life and his story. Is that a fair statement, sir? It is a fair statement. Yeah, I, uh, I was privileged to be related to Father Cappadano, and um, I always respect that heavily. Little did I know when we were spending time together that this would be the situation. You know? So can you give us a little bit of background on Father Cappadano? I had mentioned uh, earlier in the program before you came on that he is a candidate for canonization or becoming a saint in the Catholic Church, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about him, like, you know, kind of where he grew up and when he was born and things of that nature, just to have a little bit of background on him? Yeah, I mean, some of my dates are, uh, are uh, in and around Circa, but I know he was born in February of 1929, um, and he was born here on Staten Island, which is the smallest of the five boroughs, and at that time was a bit more bucolic than it is today. Uh, he came from a family of uh, nine brothers and sisters, and uh, his father um, and mom had a, when they first moved here, had a store, a fruit and vegetable grocery store. And they lived upstairs from that store for a while and then moved, of course, to different places. Uh, it was the North Shore of Staten Island, which was the kind of the section that is more historically preserved even today because most of the population was there. Okay. And uh, he went to public school, 44, which is still standing. He went to Curtis High School here on the North Shore by the Staten Island Ferry to Manhattan, which is also still standing today. A regular young man. The sad thing happened when he was 10 and his father died. Uh, that was a very sad thing in his life, being the youngest one. He didn't have a lot of time with his dad. Yeah. But he spent a lot of time reading the Marinol book. Those Marinol books used to be sent, I, I think, every month to those that, that had subscribed. And he loved reading the Marinol books because they're always about lands other than where he was from and where the priests went to these various lands. And I think the name of the Marinol book was The Field Afar. Mm. And he did a lot of reading, uh, and I think it encouraged his desire to be a priest. And then later on, of course, when he was in, in the late 30s or early 40s, America was at war, and he was also impressed with the military because that's where all... Uh, many, many young people wanted to do during that time frame. Right. So, did he join the war effort? No, he was too young for the war effort. Uh, he joined, but he, he went to, of course, went to high school, graduated high school, uh, but he, he secretly uh, wanted the priesthood, and he didn't tell his mom. And he was even going to Fordham for a few years, taking certain courses geared toward the priesthood. And then he came home one night and woke his mom up. And she, he was at a prom. He was invited to a prom by some uh, a young girl. 
And my aunt thought he was uh, going to wake her up and tell her that he liked her and possibly get married. And instead he woke her up and said, Mom, I think I want to become a priest. Wow. And boy, that really did wake her up. My aunt kind of wasn't for it. Uh, you know, she was a good Catholic and a good woman, obviously. And she said, are you sure? And said, yes. And she said, well, what kind of parish? Where? He goes, I don't really want to be a parish priest, Ma. I want to join Marino, and I want to travel the world, and I want to help people, and I want to, I want to go bring Catholicism to to people who are not aware of it. And my aunt, oh my God, she cried. And uh, my, uh, his mom was my my grandmother's sister, and my grandmother was also his godmother. Wow. She was the first one called, and they were crying on the phone because they didn't want him to. Well, becoming a priest was okay, but parish would have been fine and he had nothing against the parish priest but he said you know they do a fine job that was his exact words they do great work mom but that's not what i want to do with my priesthood and later on you could see that father vincent went where the need was he wanted to go where he was needed the most that was his focus and so when he did become a priest and he joined the Marinals. Where did he feel that need? Where did God bring him to? God brought him to Taiwan, which at that time was called Formosa, Chinese mainland, uh, was communist. And those people that didn't believe in communism fled to Formosa. And they, Formosa, called themselves Free China and that they were the real China. Wow. And China did not like that. So in Formosa, as the, the freedom Chinese people started establishing areas that they wanted to live, and in many cases, there were people there who had never seen others. Uh, there were some nice places, and there were some jungles. And uh, Father Capadonna was sent to the jungles of Formosa slash Taiwan to bring Catholicism to those that never almost heard of it. That was his job. And he walked among those young children and taught them and he built a small church, a thatch church there. My dad was very active and always trying to help Father Vincent raise money for the things he wanted to do. And my dad would raise money here on Staten Island. He needed this, he needed that. My father would have family parties and little fundraisers and send the money to Vincent because they were very close, my dad and he. And my dad's name was Dominic Lambert, deserves a mention. And he was devoted to his cousin, and his cousin was devoted to him. And he raised money, and he could send money to build that thatched church in Taiwan, which ultimately was the Father Vincent Capitano Chapel at some point. Wow. So, if I understand the story correctly, I mean, his journey did not end in Taiwan. Didn't he also uh, work in a youth hostel in Hong Kong? Yeah, he... He wanted to stay in Taiwan. He and, and his supervisor of the time, at the time, you know, when you become a priest, I don't have to tell you, it's uh, obedience, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Father yeah. Vincent was obedient. But he was a maverick, you know, and uh, he didn't do anything outside his obedient rule. But in many cases, he would make suggestions. He would get a hold of this guy, and, and, and every suggestion Father Vincent made, he wasn't happy with. So Father Vincent uh, would have stayed there forever, but the, he 
may have mentioned to another supervisor or superior that he really wanted to go try to do something else. He never put that man down, but he did say that, and they sent him to Hong Kong. Uh, and he was good with that. He was very good with that. He stayed there for a while. I'm not sure the exact time. Uh, and then in his mind, and he had an active mind, he was a brilliant young man, and he knew the war was raging in Vietnam. And being who he was, going where the need is, in his mind, and I think I want to be a chaplain, and I want to go on the battlefields and help the soldiers. And that's when he went back to uh, Staten Island here, after he was able to convince the Marinole to let him go. And they mentioned him going to a uh, school for becoming a chaplain in, um, I think, in Virginia. But they never mentioned that he went to school for six to eight weeks here in Brooklyn at Fort Hamilton. Wow. And I drove him there every morning and picked him up every night. Actually, I had just gotten my license, and I gave him my car for a few days. But after three weeks, I still didn't have my car. And I said to my father, I said, Dad, Vincent still has the car. He said, I know. I said, I got a good idea. I'm going to call him and tell him I'll pick him up every morning and pick him up every night. <laughs> so this way, that's what he needed the car for. And that's what I did. We went over the newly built Arizona Bridge, and which is now, as you know, one of the busiest bridges in the world. And I brought him to Brooklyn every day from Staten Island Chapter. And so, once he was a chaplain, I believe in the Navy, my understanding is that he did a lot of work to serve the Marines, and so much so that people started to call him the Grunt Padre. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, you know, the Navy and the Marine. I think Marines are part of the Navy, which I found out later on. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And um, so, yes, he was a Navy, and of course, later on, Marines. Uh, he was called the Grunt Padre because when Father Vincent got there, he was a lieutenant. He could have spent many, many hours in different places, but he wanted to be what he called the grunts, the guys on the field, the guys on the battlefield. And that's why he started becoming, and be called rather, the Grunt Padre because that's where he wanted to be. He wanted to be with the men. They, they were going into battle every day. He wasn't supposed to go on those battlefields and, so many of his superiors would say, Father, you can't come, you can't come. You want If you bring a gun, we'll let you come. He would say, I, I don't bring a gun, I bring a cross. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, get, I get kind of emotional. It's, you know, uh, I bring a cross, I don't bring a gun. Well, then you can't come. You know I want to go. And he would go anyway. And, and the guys would look the other way, the, the captains and some of the, the leaders of the troops. But the soldiers didn't look the other way. A lot of them would come into his tent at night. They were afraid. They were scared. Uh, and Father Vincent kept his candle. My dad was a liquor salesman and used to send in cases of Shivers Regal. And it wasn't for, not that Father Vincent didn't enjoy one here and there. But my father would send him, send him the, that because he would have his little glass of, couple of glasses there and he'd have the Shivers Regal ready. And when the soldiers would come in and they were crying or they were upset, they, they still went into the battlefield the next day, but they couldn't sleep. They were so, some of them were so afraid. And Father Vincent would talk to them, give them a couple of shots, and they would uh, talk to the wee small hours of the morning. And uh, he was uh, a healer even in that atmosphere. Wow. And then, of course, the next day, Father would have two hours sleep and he'd be on the battlefield. 
So my understanding from his story, reading up on him, is that he not only gave the ultimate sacrifice, but he was also awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions. Can you unpack that a little bit? Um, you know, from he was awarded the Medal of Honor posthumously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Father Vincent knew the fuss that is being made over him now, you don't know how many times during the day when I decide to talk to him, and you may want to call that a prayer for intercession, I say to him, listen, don't be mad at me then. Don't be mad. His name was Junior. We called him Junior. Then we had to call him Vincent. Then it was Father Vincent. <laughs> you know, and I, because that's how it was. He's, he was called Junior as a kid. And anyway, I always say to him, don't get mad at me, then because uh, we're all making this fuss over you. I said, but you have to kind of realize that um, people need good, wholesome heroes, and you just happen to have done something that puts you in that category. We realize that you oh, I realize that you are never ego person looking for the limelight. But putting you in the limelight may help millions of people. So please don't be mad at me or don't be mad at others who are raising you up to this exalted position. The Medal of Honor was given by the um, by the President of the United States posthumously to his nephew, James Jimmy, who was in Ethiopia and in the uh, Air Force at that time. So he was handed that medal for his uncle. So, Mr. Lambert, we've got about a minute or so left, and you have shared so much about him. But I wonder for you personally, like, what is it like to be the cousin, you know, related to, as you say, Father Vince that you knew so personally? And, you know, how do you personally follow in his footsteps of that idea of a servant leader that he modeled for so many people? Well, you know... One, how could I, and I appreciate the question, thank you, uh, how could I, uh, I am so proud to be his cousin, but I tell everyone I'm a sinner, you know, I'm not Father Vincent, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hardworking guy, I still work, I'm 75 years old, I have two businesses, I work as if I'm 21, uh, and blessed, and maybe Father Vincent is helping me, but I tell everyone when I speak about it, this wasn't a man who deserves sainthood, and probably deserved it 20 years ago. Yeah, I was interviewed twice by the emissaries from the, uh, the priests to do the investigation from the uh, from the Vatican. And uh, at the end of the second two hours, which was three year or two years after the first two hours, and I said to them, "Look, you guys have a tape. Three priests, you have a tape deck on." I said, "You can shut it off or hear me out." They kept it on. And I said, Father Vincent should have been made a saint 20 years ago for the way he died on the battlefield, the amount of times he put himself in arm's way. He died once, he was on the battlefields 100 times, and he went from, you know, soldier to soldier and took 27 bullets, throwing his body over a soldier. And what are we talking about? Why isn't this man a saint? So I personally am so proud, and I, and I am always talking about him, and that's it, my... My privilege was being his cousin. Three movies about him. Grunt Padre, Called and Chosen, and a- appropriately The Field of Far. And you can get them on uh, social uh, medias. Mr. Lambert, that is excellent. I'm so glad that you shared some of the ways that people can learn about Father Vincent Cappadeno. And you know, just as I was reading up on him, there are so many different ways that he has been honored and remembered since his passing, and he is just a great man to 
emulate, whether people are in ministry or just a guy like yourself that, you know, wants to do the right thing, a hardworking guy that looks up to him and says, you know, that's a guy that was walking the walk, and what can I do to walk that walk in my own life? Absolutely. He, he is a man to emulate, a man to read about. Well, <laughs> Mr. Lambert, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the program today to share your heart and to share just a little bit about your cousin, Father Vincent Cappadano. It's been a privilege to talk to you. And I am thankful that you gave me that opportunity to spread it to so many people listening. So thank you very much. Thank you, sir. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Chaplain Colonel Retired Gordon Grossclose. Stay with us. We'll be right back. South Jersey's News Talk, 1400 WOND. W223CO, Atlantic City. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk, 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Chaplain Colonel Retired Gordon Grossclose. Gordon, are you on the line with us today? I am, Paul. It's good to be here with you and your audience. It is a privilege to have you on today, Gordon. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to join me on the program today. Thank you. And, you know, Gordon, I want to wish you a very happy Father's Day. Um, I know today is a very important day, especially for you. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, Gordon, you have done a tremendous amount in your long career. But I think a good place to start, if it's okay, would be kind of at the beginning for you and your role as a chaplain. Like, how, when, and why did you join the Army, and, like, what was your call to ministry from there? Sure, Paul. Uh, For me, it it started way back in northern Wyoming uh, at a rodeo event. My father was involved in rodeo, so it was natural for me to get out there with a buck and horses. And one Sunday afternoon, I was out rodeoing, and I broke my neck, fractured C4, that's a vertebrae right at the base of the neck. And uh, it's amazing when you lose everything, my sports, uh, my identity, uh, the break was so severe, I actually had to go back and do surgery, and I'm fused four, five, and six, two and a half months in a body cast, which I really felt like a freak. And so losing everything, I discovered the most important thing, that God loved me and had a place for me, and from that had a very definite call to ministry. Mm. And even though I knew uh, it was full-time ministry, it was never to be a pastor of the church. So I was really surprised when the Lord led me into uh, seminary and onto a small church. But there I discovered the National Guard chaplaincy. I went to, uh, to the med station, like many of our service personnel, and I loved that physical, Paul. Uh, <laughs> the doctor said, hey, uh, pastor, so sorry, but uh, your neck is, uh, is fused. And I said, I know my neck is fused, and I know I probably funked the physical but I know that God's called me to be a military chaplain. And about a year later, all the paperwork came back with no waivers. I had a chance uh, to go on uh, a 32-year military career as a chaplain. So even though I was broken, I knew God had called me and had a place for me to serve as a military chaplain. A 32-year military career, and it started from a rodeo accident. I heard that correctly? Yes. Yeah, th- that is really something, how God just orchestrates all the circumstances in our life. And I, I love the level of trust and faith 
that you had in your heart of, you know, this is what God called me to do. And, you know, it, it's going to work out. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know in, in what way he's going to orchestrate circumstances, but it's going to happen. I, I love that faith you have. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's something I think is, as believers, we, we learn sometimes painfully, but step by step, that God really is faithful, and he does order his steps for children, but sometimes they go through some pretty dark valleys. But the ability for us is to be able to hear that God loves us in the midst of that, and he still walks with us, and he has a plan and a purpose for our life, that we just want to take the next step with him. Amen. Well, Gordon, I, I would imagine in 32 years as a military chaplain, there had to have been hundreds, probably thousands of people that you've served in that capacity. Would you share with the listeners just a little bit about what that was like for you and how you were able to serve people as a chaplain for so long? Yeah, I would say as, as an Army chaplain, probably the greatest privilege I had was actually to live with my soldiers. And uh, I, I appreciate what, what other uh, ministers and pastors do on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, but I had the ability that wherever my soldiers went, I was there. If they were in the field, I was in the field. If uh, if they were cold, I was cold. If the coffee was bad or we couldn't find any, we did that together. In the midst of that hardship, there was ability for men and women to come together around the reality that God was there in the midst of them. And for chaplain to be there and celebrate life at its worst or at its best, to me that's what it meant to be a chaplain, to love the soldiers with all your heart, in some way demonstrate how much God loved them. To me, that's what it meant to be an Army chaplain. Wow. You know, Gordon, that is really saying something about the testament of your character, especially, uh, I don't know if you were hearing the previous uh, gentleman that was on before you, but I was just talking to a guy named Al Lambert, and he's the cousin of Father Vincent Cappadeno, and he's a candidate for sainthood in the Catholic Church right now. And he was called the Grunt Padre. And when I asked Mr. Lambert why he was called the Grunt Padre, he said almost exactly the same words that you just did because he wanted to be down there with the grunts, with those soldiers, eating, sleeping, breathing with them just the same way that you had your heart for it. Yes, yes. And I, I think that's, uh, for the chaplains, called the Ministry of Presence, Presence to be with the soldiers. But isn't that what God does with us? Yeah. And no matter where we go, he's with us, uh, that he's promised never to leave us nor forsake us, and to be a chaplain in some way to be uh, a, a presentation of Christ's presence in the midst of the military. What, what a great opportunity. It was really a great time in those 32 years, 11 soldiers. Well, was, was there a um, time in your 32 years that stuck out to you as, you know, just something that you keep in the recesses of your heart, like just the most special time for you, something that was really special to you? During the, uh, the front side of the, of the war years and the current operations, I had the privilege to uh, work for the Army Chief of Chaplain's Office and personnel and uh, for a couple of Chief of Chaplains, and each of them made a commitment to, uh, to the Secretary of the Army that whenever a unit would go into combat, they would always have a chaplain. And so working with personnel, we worked out ways as the Army was changing, transforming, trying to get new combat units stood up. It was difficult to, to get chaplains at the right place at the right time, have them trained, have them ready to go down range. So I'd say if I take a step to look back is that the ability to be part of that process to make sure that whenever soldiers went into harm's way, there were chaplains there. 
if I could look back and say anything, it was uh, to be some way a part of ensuring for the moms and the dads of America to know that wherever their sons and daughters went, to the best of our ability, we would have a chaplain there that loved their, their sons and daughters and would pray for them and would know that God was with them. And so that was in the Pentagon, is that right? When you were working the chief of chaplains? Yes. So would right. you from 2003 to 2006. Was that your best assignment, or was there another place that you would consider your favorite assignment? I would say probably my, my favorite assignment would have been in Germany. Uh, I was there uh, when the wall came down, and I had the opportunity. Uh, it's kind of crazy thinking about it now, but, but I, I took a car and drove uh, through East Germany. Uh, for some of those who have done those trips back uh, before the wall came down, took my, my wife and my two young kids and went to Checkpoint Charlie and drove into East Berlin. And the opportunity to show my kids really what it's like to live in a communist country. And this was a show city. And to realize how the, how rough uh, the, the conditions were, how little supplies. I mean, I'm a chaplain, so I talk rough. I, I say one way to figure out how prosperous a society is is what their toilet paper is like. And I knew <laughs> when I got the Easter, East Berlin and took a look at, at their toilet paper, which was kind of like sawdust, I knew it was a rough place. And so it was a great place to serve for my kids to understand they had a lot to be thankful for in the nation they came from. And for me, it was a great assignment because my kids really understood, maybe for the first time, what incredible privilege it was to be raised in this country with so many blessings. And I think they, uh, their walk away was never take any blessing uh, for granted because so many suffered in ways that they would never understand. So, Gordon, when you talk about your kids, that brings me to my next topic. I, I know that you being a father is very important to you. And I know that you've also had some life-changing circumstances with your children and things that have happened there. Would, would you mind sharing a little bit about uh, your son and what happened to him and how that changed your life as well? Sure. Yeah. Half of my uh, time was in, uh, was in medical command. I was a hospital chaplain in numerous uh, medical assignments. Uh, I was a hospital chaplain at Fort Leonard Wood. Received a call uh, that come to the hospital that there had been a, a pretty significant motor vehicle accident with a, with a teenager. And I uh, went uh, back to the hospital, and as I uh, went into the trauma room, the hospital found out it was my son that was the, uh, that was the uh, motor vehicle teenager. And uh, so I, uh, you know, walked into the reality that my life son would be forever changed. Uh, very, very severely injured, traumatic brain injury. Uh, was hospitalized for a year uh, in a rehabilitation hospital. Uh, we're not sure that he would have survived the, the first week or so descent of the, of the, of the brain trauma. So it was uh, a significant change in my life to realize how little control I had and uh, realize that uh, this incredibly gifted athlete who just signed the university uh, football ship, his life was going to be totally different and my family's life was going to be totally different. And it, it was a new challenge for me as a dad. So how did you serve your son during this very challenging time? I mean, I can only imagine the amount of time and commitment and energy that it would take to help your son on this journey of recovery. What was that like for you? It, it was a huge change, Paul. Um, before, up to this point in my military career, um, my wife was mom and dad at home. Uh, that allowed me to, to do all these crazy hours in the military, begun long days, long deployments. 
now all of a sudden, uh, my wife couldn't do it all. Uh, my son was was a was a very large athlete, six foot three, two hundred thirty five pounds, extremely gifted uh, football player, and my wife just couldn't move him around. So uh, significant uh, paralysis, um, and so she needed someone there every night to, to move him around, transfer him in the wheelchair. And so I went from this aggressive 100 miles an hour to realize that now I had a responsibility to truly love my child. Uh, and, and life slowed down. I had to be patient with him, to love him. It was really a hard time, Paul. Uh, it was almost a year in that rehab hospital. Uh, Micah had to learn how to swallow again, how to chew his food, wow. uh, and slowly how to sit up. He never gained a whole lot of mobility. But be able to simply to sit and listen to him very painfully talk one syllable at a time. And I learned that love was not always doing. Sometimes love just meant to sit there and to listen and to be present. It was hard for me. I learned to find out that kids are about uh, raising them is not about me. It's about it's about my kids. It was hard, but uh, I learned a lot what it meant to be a father. I, I love what you just said there. Love is not just about doing. It's about listening and being present. And, you know, Gordon, I mean, you and I have talked many times and, you know, my kids are both teenagers now. I wish somebody like you would have told me that love is a lot about listening and being present years ago because it could save me some pain and growing pains in my own kids. Yes, uh, I would say as a as young father, uh, yeah, if you really, really peel my heart apart, I, kids are all about making me happy. Kids are about making me uh, look good. And I realized that my responsibility as a father is to raise them in the ways that God created them to be. And the ultimate enjoyment is watching them connect to the Lord and to grow into what God's called them to be and watch God to live through them. That's the, the ultimate joy for me now as a father, to see what God can do through the life of your children. Not about my personal happiness, but allowing them to be who God's created them to be. I think that's what it means to be a father, to raise them in the ways of the Lord. I love that. And so with today being Father's Day, I mean, I have to imagine that today carries a very special significance for you. I know that I always look forward to today because of gifts and the kids love me and they can't harass me on Father's Day, but I have to imagine that Father's Day has a really special meaning for you today. Well, Paul, to be honest, it's uh, mixed feelings. Uh, first uh, is the realization that I failed as a father uh, many years that was never there when they needed me. It's also a realization that God has grace and mercy and that the Lord has allowed me to connect to, to my kids in ways that I didn't as young children. And now it's a celebration to realize that I can love them for who they are and not for who they can be for me, that uh, I can celebrate uh, their life uh, and how God has raised them up in this time. So, for, so Father's Day is mixed blessing, but at the end of the day I celebrate because I see what God is doing uh, through my life as being a better father, and I celebrate what my kids are doing as they uh, grow up to be adults who love the Lord. Amen. Well, Gordon, we've got about a minute left. So I guess my last question to you, I mean, you've got a very seasoned career. You've had a lot of, quite frankly, traumatic experiences between your rodeo accident and your son's accident. Like, what advice would you give to maybe a young chaplain or maybe a young father that's just starting out you know, both in terms of balancing career and family and how they can serve their wife and their kids based on lessons that you've learned? Yeah, Paul, I would say first and foremost, protect their walk with the Lord ruthlessly. 
protected at all costs. If, if your walk with the Lord is not right, then there's no wellspring, there's no life. It's, it says, I learned to walk with the Lord. I had the ability to love my wife during hard times. It was the ability to, to have the strength to, to slow down and to be patient. And so you got to have the things right with the Lord first. And then from that, you develop a relationship with your spouse, and you learn to love her unconditionally. She is not there to make you look good. As a husband, you're called there to make her good, to be without spot, without blemish. And if that relationship with the Lord is right and with your spouse is right, then that overflow flows into your children. And if those two relationships are wrong, then you'll steal things from your kids. And so from the overflow, from a good relationship to Christ and a great relationship with your wife, you have the ability to love your children, to give them grace, uh, and, and in love in places that are not unlovely. When they have dirty diapers and they call mm-hmm. it at 2 o'clock in the morning, you have to have the supernatural ability to love them unconditionally. And I'd say get that under control, and then God will bless your career. How foolish it is for a chaplain to push hard for a career and not only lose your career but also your family when things fall apart. Seek the Lord first in all these things, and he'll honor you with a great career. and good family. Amen. Amen. Gordon, I I love what you just said there. Seek you first, the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I love it. Gordon, thank you so much for being on the program here today. Thank you for what you shared. Thank you for your heart. And quite honestly, thank you for being my friend and, you know, just all the things that you've shared with me over the time that I've known you. Thank you, Paul. It's just good to be here. Uh, Friendship uh, are special. And always, uh, it's worth celebrating. Thank you, Paul. I celebrate you. Thanks, Gordon. When we come back from the break, we'll reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bring him troubles to share. Oh, he's always there, my dad. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. As we close out today's show, let's just briefly reflect about what we've heard from today's guest. So incredible testimonies from both gentlemen that run. And, you know, one of the first things we can look at is how you can serve others through faith. You heard Chaplain Gordon Gross Close, as well as Mr. Lambert talk about in Father Cappadano. And this idea that when you are called, you just have to go where God tells you, right? Father Vincent Cappadano felt that he was called to other lands, and he didn't want to just serve as a parish priest. He wanted to go to foreign lands, and he said, I bring a cross. I'm going to go with you to wherever the hardship is. You bring the guns. I'll bring the cross. And you heard Chaplain Grossclose talk about his call. And he knew that God wanted him to become a chaplain. The circumstances didn't look like it was going to work out for him because he had a neck injury. But he knew that God loved him. And he knew that God that's what God had in store for him. And really, it makes me just realize that all of us live differently. And we all want to make our lives count and make a difference in our lives. But each of us are going to live that out 
in a different way. God has a different calling for each one of us. But regardless of what your skills are, what your giftings are, every single one of us can love and serve other people and glorify God through that. And then when you look at serving in the military, I love how both of these chaplains were really just that grunt soldier, that grunt padre. You heard about how Father Vincent Capadena was referred to as the grunt padre. And then Chaplain Grossclose, without even knowing about that, he said very much the same thing, that he wanted to be out wherever the troops were. He was going to eat with them, sleep where they slept, just experience all the same conditions that they did, good, bad, or indifferent. And, you know, it really just makes me reflect and think about how much things happen for a reason. And you have to have that faith that no matter what your circumstances, God is there for you. He's with you in that moment when you're out in the cold, when you're getting rained on, when you have very little food and you're just there with the troops, loving on them and serving them. God is with you and God is there for you. And you're able to serve whoever you're with in that capacity because of that. And then when you look at how you can serve your family. You heard Mr. Lambert talk about when he was young, he used to drive Father Vincent Capadano back and forth. He used to drive him there to training in the morning and then pick him up at night. Like, how hard is that? It's not hard at all, but it requires a servant's heart. It requires a willingness to put your own needs and wants and desires to the side to be able to care for somebody else's needs. And you heard very much the same type of thing from Gordon when he talked about how his son's injury changed his life. An entire year of nursing him back to some state of health. And now he had to completely slow down his life to be able to care for his son because his wife could no longer do it all. She couldn't be mom and dad with a son that was experiencing paralysis. And so today is Father's Day. And when you think about this idea of putting good into universe and it comes back to you, I can think of no greater example than our kids. As a father, I mean, again, my son is 17, my daughter is 13, and I pour so much of my heart, my energy, my time, my financial resources, so much of who I am, I pour into my kids because I want to see them grow up to be strong, successful people that can live independently, that they don't need somebody to be there and hold their hand every step of the way. They can be strong and have their faith rooted in the love of God. That, to me, is one of the greatest blessings of being a father, to see my children grow up to be strong Christian Young, a young man and a young woman. That is one of the greatest blessings I've ever received. And I'm very thankful for that on this Father's Day. Listen, next week, you don't want to miss it. Two really special guests. I have a gentleman named Mr. John Branch. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's an author. And he's a leader of military ministry. I also have Miss Vanessa Johnson. She's a mother, a wife, a deaconess, a member of the Atlanta County Ministers Association, and she works in multiple capacities at WOND. Very excited about it. I want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list 
through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. And you can check out all the previous episodes of this program at the show tab. As you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next